Welcome to the Couples Healing Podcast, where you'll get the tools for him to overcome his addiction, for her to find healing from the pain that it causes her, and for you to heal your relationship and come back together. I hope that you enjoy and subscribe. A really important question that many couples ask themselves in this process is how do we know if we're ready for sexual intimacy again in our marriage? And so today I wanted to spend some time helping give you guys some things, some indicators that you can either notice right now or work towards in order to start to feel more comfortable. And I think so many people that I work with say that they recognize that sexual intimacy is such an important part of the relationship, but there's been so much damage around this that so often there's walls that get put up and understandably so. And I think there's protection there for a reason. And so my hope today is to give you some considerations that can help you guys know how to bring down the walls in a way that do feel comfortable, in a way that there is safety, and to help you guys feel like you're able to work towards this part of your relationship. Because again, for so many people that I work with, they both want to reintegrate this, but do it in a way that feels good for them. And so today I want to share with you three considerations and then give you some stories and examples and help on how to achieve this. And this topic makes me think of a couple that I worked with where the wife just was not comfortable reintroducing intimacy in their relationship. And I totally understand that. And she had a very good reason to do that because in the relationship it was used as, uh, it was misdirected and she felt like she was an object. She felt used. It caused her a lot of pain because it was not a good experience for her. And she wanted to avoid feeling bad, so she decided we're not going to be intimate anymore. And in the beginning, this was really frustrating for her husband because he didn't really fully understand the impact that his actions were having on the relationship. And he was also frustrated because he had not fully started the healing process yet. So before they came to me, that was kind of their situation. So after we started working together, he still felt frustrated that this was not a part of the relationship yet. And he was doing the work that he knew how to do at the time. And as we started to work together, I wanted to give him more tools and ways to know how to heal this part of the relationship, how to change, how to rebuild her trust. And as we did so, their relationship started to change and she felt more and more comfortable bringing intimacy back to the point where it became something that was no longer a source of pain for her. And so I want to share with you the three considerations that I offered to them so that you can also, as you focus on these considerations, work towards intimacy in a way that feels comfortable, in a way that is in alignment with how you would want it to be, whether it's a source of connection or some healthy, it's, a, it's stemming from a place that's healthy instead of a place that's unhealthy. So the three considerations that I offered to them, which I want to share with you, is number one, is there trust and safety in the relationship? Because if there's not, so often intimacy then can become a source of pain and it just it can be damaging for there to be intimacy if it's being misused and if there's not safety and trust. So often a woman will feel like it's just causing more damage, which we don't want to do. And, and, and I just think about like the last thing that we would want to do is link anything that's painful or hurtful or damaging to this part of the relationship. It's already so sensitive. There's already so many insecurities that are wrapped up with intimacy. So the last thing that we want to do is attach any other negative thing to it. So if she's not feeling safe, it's often a negative experience for her. So that's consideration number one. The second one is, have you addressed the concerns that are making you feel uncomfortable? So referring back to this couple earlier, when they started to work with me, they hadn't been intimate in a few months. 
And there was no path forward for them. They had not figured out. So the wife would just say, I'm not ready. And the husband would check in a few weeks later and she would just say, I'm not ready. And it left him feeling really discouraged because if he didn't know how he could help in the healing process and she didn't know either, which is where they were, they were just like, I don't really know. I just don't feel ready. It just left them both with this breakdown here in this part of the relationship. And so it's not the passage of time that fixes it. It's addressing these three considerations. The first one being the safety and trust. The next one is addressing the reasons why you feel uncomfortable, which again, I'm going to share some examples later on. And the third one is understanding what is driving the desire for sexual intimacy. Is it more of the same type of escape-based pattern? Or is it rooted in something that's more healthy and productive and something that's going to build the relationship instead of tearing it down? So when these this couple worked through these considerations, that's when there was an openness again to restoring intimacy. And as they did, it became a source of connection in the relationship, which enhanced their growth together. And so I want to go deeper in each of these three things to give you guys a sense of what you can do and how you can implement this. So number one that we've talked about, the first and foremost, the most important thing that we can have in place is safety. It's trust and safety. So when I say safety, I'm not just... So it's more on an emotional level. The physical level, of course, goes without saying, right? If there's like threats and coercion or manipulation, like none of that is acceptable. And I hope that everybody is listening to this understands the detrimental effect of those types of things. But maybe just as important is emotional safety. And so she doesn't feel like there's trust or that she can bring her walls down or that she is going to be treated in a respectful, loving way. If there's no safety on that level, then intimacy, like I said, becomes a source of pain for so many women. And so how do you create this safety? The good news is that it's the same way as we've discussed in lots of these episodes. It's the same emotional safety, rather creating safety for sexual intimacy is the same way you create safety on the emotional level. And it's done through spending. There's multiple ways to do it, but the few ones that I'll highlight today, it's by number one, spending time together in a way that builds your bond in a way that connects you. And for some couples, that's different. For some couples, it's spending time being outside and going on walks. I work with a couple right now who a part of how they connect with each other is they um, they do like they call a, a, like a talk and a walk and talk where they walk, they spend time in nature, which they both love, and they're able to enjoy each other's company, focusing on each other and spending time talking about what's going on in each of their lives. So that's one of the ways to do that. Another way to create safety is through emotional connection. In other words, how to create and foster emotional connection is sharing vulnerably. It's opening up and talking more deeply about what's going on, your thoughts, your fears, your concerns, your dreams. It's sharing pain. It's getting support from one another and having the other person be available for you. Because when the building blocks for connection is being accessible, responsive, and engaged. So when you know that your partner is there for you, when you know that they care about you and they love you, and they respond to your needs, they give you time, they give you space to talk through things that are important to you, and they're engaged all the while, that's how you create, those are the fundamental blocks of creating connection. 
For other people, it's having conversations. I guess that's similar to the, the walk-in talk that I just shared. They're having conversations. And then lastly, a big part of how you create safety is working through unresolved issues. If there are current breakdowns in your relationship, whether that's having to do with communication, whether that's having to do with being on different pages with regard to parenting, whether that's, you know, there's, there's a ton of different ways that people feel disconnected from each other and how you can get on the same page and find that connection and safety is working through those issues and finding resolution. Because as you do that, not only are you solving problems in the relationship, but as you do it, it builds a bond. It again, helps to unite a couple when you're working through things instead of just ignoring them. So just to illustrate this with, a, and again, another story, I worked with a couple who the wife did not feel loved by her husband. They weren't spending time together. They weren't having conversations. They weren't sharing. They weren't working through any issues, but he still wanted to have sex. There was no safety. And so naturally this caused a br big rift between them. It fueled a sense of resentment for her because she felt almost responsible to say yes in order to keep the peace in the house. Because whenever she would say no, he would stomp around the house, he would sulk and make everybody feeling uncomfortable and make everybody feel tense. And that stamped out any desire that she had for him. So when a husband responds in that type of a way, it not, it not only decreases the closeness that they feel between one another, but it makes it so he's actually less likely to have intimacy in his relationship because that does not engender or create warm feelings in the marriage. And again, I understand, I understand the, the feeling behind that, right? If he's discouraged, if he's feeling disconnected, if he's feeling, you know, whatever he's feeling, I get the, the reaction, I get the, I get the emotional response, right? He can't control if he feels disappointed. Because if that's there, he's going to feel that. However, he has 100% control over how that disappointment is expressed. And so if he stomps around and sulks and makes her pay for it emotionally, again, it's just going to undermine everything, all parts of the relationship. So once they started to have sessions together, as we started meeting together, we facilitated conversations where she had a space to share the impact of that behavior on her. And he started to understand this is having a, a massive effect on her in a negative way. I don't want to keep hurting her because his goal wasn't to do that. It was just this negative response to her saying no. And so once he understood that the effect that that had on her was hurting her and it was also undermining the intimacy that he wanted to create in the relationship, he started to learn new ways of communicating his disappointment. He started to learn how to foster and create safety in the relationship, which when there's safety, that's in many cases, safety and connection creates desire in a wife. Because when she's feeling loved, when she's feeling seen and important and like she matters, sex is a natural result of having a good relationship. Whenever couples have sexual problems, that is so often a symptom. And it's a symptom of all of the stuff that we've been talking about right now, a lack of safety, unresolved issues, breakdowns in other areas of the relationship. And so when those areas are addressed and resolved, sexual desire in many cases is a natural result of feeling close and safe and loved and seen. And so when he started to understand that and started to make changes in how he approached things, 
and also resolve things outside of that aspect of their relationship, everything, the, the entire temperature or mood in the relationship changed, which is a big part of what created a desire in her to be intimate with him, which then fueled the relation. It That was a source of, it, it fueled a sense of connection because they were both being able to participate in that in a way that was fulfilling to them. So I hope that that is helpful as we discuss that first consideration that it's about creating safety and connection and there's a handful of ways that we discussed on how to do that. Moving on to consideration number two. Have you addressed the concerns that are making you feel uncomfortable? People are not uncomfortable with sexual intimacy for no reason. There's always a reason. And sometimes that reason might not be so clear to both people. And so in order to make steps on resolving concerns, we first need to outline what are they. And they're different for everybody. And so I want to share with you a few different examples of things that I've seen and help give you some strategies to approach this in a different way. So for instance, when I say, have you resolved the concerns that are related to this? Sometimes there is a fear or a concern that sexual intimacy can trigger the husband to fall back into the old patterns of acting out. So many women might feel this reservation of, I don't want to have sex right now because I, you know, I don't think he's in a place to, because what if that triggers him? So the second consideration, and again, there's tons of them, but there's just a few that I'll highlight today is, well, shouldn't we wait? Shouldn't we wait a period of time? Sometimes the number that's floated around is 90 days. Shouldn't we wait 90 days for him to have like a brain reset? And so unless we've gone 90 days, then I'm not going to be intimate because we're not ready for that. Another concern that a wife might have is what if she's triggered while they have sex? What if she's triggered by images of the past, fears and concerns, insecurities, inadequacies, thoughts about what he's thinking about? There's any number of considerations or, or triggers that could be related to intimacy. And so if we spend some time with each of these, I think these are all legitimate and understandable concerns. And so I want to maybe share some perspectives or another perspective to consider as you guys are working through this. Number one, can this trigger him back into the old acting out pattern? I have not actually really seen this. And here's why. The root of a sexual addiction or a habit or a pattern, a problematic habit or pattern, the root of that is not sex. The root of it is something else. That is a symptom. And so again, if you've been following the podcast for any length of time, you know that a sexual a problematic sexual behavior or pattern or addiction is a coping mechanism for something that is unresolved, unresolved emotion, unresolved pain, unresolved insecurities and inadequacies, unresolved negative beliefs about oneself. So there's a big difference between sexual intimacy in your relationship being driven by an acting out pattern, a pattern of distraction and avoidance and coping versus sexual intimacy that's driven by a desire and a longing to feel close and to connect. By nature, sexual activity is something that bonds two people together. And we know that because of the neurochemicals that are released, such as oxytocin and dopamine. Oxytocin is the hormone that prompts you to get close and to bond and to feel a connection with the person that you're bonding with. Physical touch releases oxytocin. Gazing into somebody's eyes, your partner's eyes, releases oxytocin. Sexual intimacy 
again, offers a big dose of oxytocin because that's the design is to bond people together, is to foster a sense of closeness and it reinforces love and connection in the relationship. So if it's being driven by that instead of distracting and a part of the negative pattern, then it's totally different. It's a very different response in the brain. So I want to speak a little bit more to this by answering the next question too. So the next question is, should we wait 90 days? I don't believe personally that this is necessary. And again, I want to share with you why. If the goal is to reset the brain, that's again, uh, I, I don't feel like this is a necessary activity. And the reason why I believe that, well, let me actually speak one more to thing, uh, to something else. Sometimes a wife might say, I want to wait 90 days because she feels pressure. She's just like, I want to take this off the table so I don't have to worry about this all the time. And I totally understand that idea. And in some relationships, there's a place for that. And I, I obviously cannot give advice for everybody's specific situation on a podcast because it's just, it's there's so many different factors. But I've seen where that can be helpful, where they put a pause on it. However, I, I just would caution or I would encourage you not to put a timeline on it because the time doesn't matter. The time doesn't solve anything. If a wife feels really, really uncomfortable and it's it's damaging her to say yes to intimacy, if she says, I need to take a break, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. However, the parameters for the break should not, in my opinion, involve a sense of time. Rather, it should involve the behaviors that are causing damage. So for instance, if she feels manipulated or coerced, the parameter should be, I don't want to be intimate until there's no more coercion. Or if she says, I just, I feel like my needs don't matter. Or if she feels like I don't feel close to you outside of the bedroom. And so when we have sex, it causes resentment and it drives a wedge between us. And I don't want that to keep happening. And so I don't want to be intimate until we can address this specific issue. Because when you make it issue specific, it creates a path for you to find some resolution and growth instead of just saying, I'm going to push pause and we'll see how I feel. That just doesn't engender any type of growth for either person. Because if you're feeling uncomfortable, then the goal should be to address the issue. So I hope that comes across, you know, I, I hope that makes sense. So should you wait 90 days? I don't believe that this is necessary if the goal is to create some kind of a reset. And so the reason why I say that is because after listening to, I've mentioned Dr. Andrew Huberman multiple times on the podcast. I would love, it'd be my dream. If anybody who's listening to this knows him or has a connection to him, how it would be my dream to have him on the podcast, to interview him so we can ask him tons of questions. So just putting that out there for anybody who might have any link to him. So as I've listened to him in other interviews, a part of what he says, and I'm going to link this YouTube video into the comments because I think it's really important. He said that when you're seeking sexual release through pornography, through masturbation, you go through this whole cycle where there's this, he describes it as an open loop. It's a kind of emptiness that occurs because this idea of like having this release with yourself in the absence of a real sexual partner creates an open loop of neurochemicals, like I mentioned earlier, oxytocin and prolactin and dopamine. He said that when there's this when there's this open loop, it causes dopamine to spike and then crash below baseline. And so essentially what that means is that 
in the absence of a partner, the brain is designed to bond in those moments. When there's this flood of oxytocin, the nature of that neurochemical is such that we want to close that loop with somebody else. So when you re so when you experience this feeling, because again, if you if you pay attention to that that feeling after there's been an orgasm, there's like a closeness that occurs. That's oxytocin, right? There's this desire to be close. There's a bond. There's a connection that's there. And so when there's nobody there, the brain has this open loop, which is a part of what creates this feeling of emptiness. And so the idea that you have to reset the brain in, for 90 days by not having an orgasm. There's just such a different experience that happens in the brain, but when a person is there, it closes that loop and it does what it's designed to do, which is bring you closer to somebody else. And so to have a reset, I think the reset needs to be around this open loop and using a sexual release as a form of distraction and avoidance. That's where there should be this uh that's where they're that's where in my opinion because again that's the goal for so many people that i work with is i want to eliminate this i don't want to use sex or masturbation or pornography as a way to cope with my pain i think that's where there needs to be the reset it's not sexual activity in and of itself based on what i've learned from dr andrew huberman again i'll link to that in the, in the show notes just so you can check it out one little thing to uh, reinforce this idea the problem is not sexual activity it's when it's being misdirected so think about somebody who copes with life with food the problem is not the food, it's the it's what's driving the food. So it's not like, okay, you're gonna fast for 90 days so you can break this pattern. That's not how it is, it's not how it is. That's not the goal. The goal is to, okay, we gotta figure out why this is happening. Why are you turning to food? Why are you using this in a way to distract yourself? What is it that's you know, what are the underlying reasons why? That's where you do the work. It's not fasting for 90 days. Again, obviously it's not even possible, but if it was, that's not the solution. I think the same thing is true with sexual intimacy, I think uh, sexual activity. That's not the issue, it's what's driving it. So then again, so to address this last concern here on bullet point number two is what if she gets triggered while you have sex? I think that's a very important consideration and that does happen quite often. So the goal in that case, again, is to find resolution there. So how do you do that? Lots of conversations. You talk about her fears. What is she's being triggered by something? You want to figure out what exactly is a trigger. Is she comparing herself? Is she worried about what he's thinking about? Is she feeling inadequate? Is she feeling used? Whatever her concern is, you're going to have lots of conversations around that to create a, a different environment of understanding, of compassion, of reassurance. I remember working with a couple where she would be triggered by the fear that he was thinking about somebody else. And so they had lots of conversations around that where he could reassure her, I'm in a different place now. In the past, I would do that because my brain, my mind wasn't healthy. And I was using, and sex was linked with this unhealthy coping mechanism and pattern. However, I want to reassure you that I'm in a completely different place. And that conversation went such a long way for her, not only because they had the conversation and he understood her and could reassure her, but he demonstrated the change outside of that moment. He demonstrated how he was different in conversations generally and how he re reacted and worked with the kids, how he was present with her, how he met her needs in other ways. That demonstrated the change which reinforced what he was telling her, which was, I'm different. I get that you're worried about this and you have every right to be. It's completely understandable, 
but the conversation is what created reassurance for her. So those are some of the concerns, those some, some examples. And so whatever the concerns are for you as you're listening to this, I would encourage you to target those. Isolate them, target them, have conversations, put things in place to resolve them. And that's, again, a part of how, in the broader context of this episode, how you can know if you're ready for sexual intimacy again is if you're resolving the concerns that are bringing up the fears. Lastly, I think in terms of knowing if you're ready, it's recognizing and making sure that the source that's driving this behavior is not stemming from coping and distraction. Rather, it's coming from a healthy desire to feel close, to connect, to bond in the relationship, to express and receive love. So I'm not going to spend too much time on this because it's pretty self-explanatory. So the more you guys can have conversations, so how do you get there? You have lots of, again, lots of conversations around this. Just like I referred to in that recent, you know, just that prior couple, he shared with her all the ways that he was different and how he saw things differently, how he saw her differently, how he saw sex differently. And then he reinforced that by how he showed up outside in the relationship in other ways. So the more you can feel confident that what's driving the desire for sex is not rooted in something unhealthy, but rather healthy, that's a part of how you can find the reassurance of like, okay, it feels like it's good. It feels like it's time. The last thing that I want to say about all of this is that it also happens in phases. Because if you have these good things in place and you're feeling close and you recognize, okay, this is coming from a healthy place, then for many people, they feel comfortable in that moment to be intimate and that's perfectly fine. Being intimate once doesn't mean that the door is now open and that Every time you ask, you'll, it'll be a yes. Every time, you know, every time the topic comes up, the green light is there. I think that's another reservation that many women, women have is if I say yes, that means like I can't now say no. And that's not the case. I hope that you can hear that because how we feel changes from day to day. So let's say today you feel like, hey, things are in place. We've been communicating. I feel like he's with me. We're in a good spot. Yes, I'm open to that. Then two days later, she might feel stuck and she might feel hurt or scared or something. And she might say, I'm not ready right now. And all of that is perfectly fine. So the goal in those moments isn't to create any pressure and say like, well, what happened between now and then? And why, you know, why are you saying no now and doing it from a negative energy type of a place as much as, hey, honey, that's okay. Can you help me understand where you are? I want to work with you and support you, not just for the purpose of so we can now have sex, but I care about you. And if you're not feeling comfortable, I wanna know how I can support you and make sure that we're resolving whatever concerns are there. So maybe she got triggered, maybe a resentment showed up and she says, I'm, I'm upset and I don't want to now. That's perfectly okay. The goal would be just to recycle the same patterns that we're talking about as far as conversations, understanding, getting back on the same page, resolving issues so that those moments can be worked through, which again, reinforces the new pattern or trajectory that the relationship is hopefully heading in, which is towards healing. So it's okay if feelings change. It's perfectly fine if one day you feel yes and the other day you feel no. I think just knowing that that's okay and working towards addressing the concerns that are creating the no just help everybody to continue to grow. Because if there's a trigger there, Working through the trigger brings resolution and closure closure and growth. Again, it's not necessarily for the purpose of now we're going to have sex as much as 
Let's just be working through triggers and healing our relationship. And for some people, I remember working with a couple one time, they were doing that process. And sometimes the answer was like, I still don't really want to have sex, but I do. I want to connect with you in other ways. And the husband, after having doing some really good growth, was like, that's great. I'm open to that. He might feel a little disappointed. Like, okay, I was looking forward to that. I wanted to connect with you in that way, but I'm okay. And that's okay if you don't want to tonight. And in other cases, when you work through that, the wife might feel like, okay, you know what? This addressed my concern. I'm open to that now. However it goes is totally fine. I hope that the principles that we're discussing, is it, it, all of these are coming through about how you can find that safety, closure, resolution, which then puts you in a position to decide, to decide how do we want to move forward now? And if it's just bonding in other ways, great. If it's including intimacy, great. Either way is fine because the goal really is to develop a relationship where there is a deeper level of closeness, connection, love, and getting on the same page together as you're healing. So as you're listening, I would encourage you to consider these considerations as we've discussed. And I hope that you can implement this and start to chip away at some of the things that make it difficult to be intimate. Again, not really for the purpose of now, like, okay, great, let's be intimate, as much as this is a part of the healing process. And for so many people that I work with, they want to reintegrate intimacy, but there's blocks and barriers. And I hope that we've talked about, or I hope that it's come across today, how you can start to deal with that in different ways so you can really find the growth that you're hoping for. Okay, I hope that was helpful. And for any of the men who are listening, I want to invite you to join if you're looking for some extra support and tools and help implementing these uh, tools and strategies so you can fully overcome pornography so that it doesn't have to follow you around anymore. Go ahead and go to uh, www.facebook.com slash groups slash tools to quit. And the link is going to be here in the uh, show notes as well. So I look forward to watching you guys make progress and really overcome this addiction, get this problem out of your life, restore your relationship so you can actually move forward and leave all of this behind you in a way that there's actually closure.